Captain's Crunch, Star Oops. All Berries. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Board Drone Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS George Santos, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go to, to fuck the Queen of the Borg! Soy Trek the Podcast is here. One half vegan, one half weird. 100% communist, unless we have a best left to guess. With Patrick and Britain talking, joking, farting, and shitting. Star Trek, like our buttholes, this show is Rex. Soy Trek, the podcast is here, so listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Right. Open your ears again. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the bridge. This is Soy Trek, the podcast where two Trekkies ask themselves, does first contact refer to meeting the Vulcans? Are banging that fine Borg Queen booty. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the second time that uh, Data's got his dick wet. Yeah, yeah, and he he admits it. We'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, he'll, he'll get into that, if you know what I mean. What? <laughs> I went there. Do you, think we'll she was, there. do you think she was disconnected when that happened? Like, because, you know, it showed Oh, well, with the, the spine and everything? Yeah. Um, I'm sure you did a saucer separation, if you know what God, I mean. God, because that would kind of be like watch, like you know, kind of having like a um, oh. like a mirror on the ceiling. Oh, Except yeah. like you could, but but it's actually like like oh. you know, or like if, if you're having an out of body experience. Yeah, literally. yeah. Do you, do you think, well, my <laughs> question is like, can you fuck the hole that like her spine goes into? God, I hope so. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's brave new worlds. Oh yes, strange new <laughs> strange, worlds. Strange new worlds. <laughs> Brave new strange. Data did like when uh, when Kirk died and was just like, oh my, because <laughs> he boldly went where no man has gone before. Oh, indeed, into the spinal column. In, yeah, <laughs> we don't. I mean, we all we all dream of back shots, but that's some real. Oh back my shots god, right there. Yeah, right? honest to god, back shots. Yeah, fucking coming right down his spinal column. Some that's guys like, have all the luck. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> fucking he gets to feel skin and cum because of it and yeah i i just have skin and feel bad because of it <laughs> yeah our flesh is a prison it is, it is. anyway uh <laughs> if uh oh guess what guess what we got we've got ads now as you may notice you don't want ads well soldiers for as little as two dollars a month you can go to patreon.com slash dumb idiot bs and subscribe to our patreon and not only get ad free episodes but you get all of the episodes the very uh, moment i get done releasing them uh you also get them in high quality stereo do a stereo with me stereo 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 so it sounds like you're right here with us in the room. Yeah. Like we're bullying you and, and like, hey, <laughs> hey, this is our opinion on Star Trek. And you don't get to say anything for two to five hours. <laughs> I'm, well, sure. I'm sure people are screaming at us to stop. Oh, probably. Like when they listen. Yeah. But I mean, you know. <laughs> shut that's up, what, shut up, shut up, shut That's up. what makes some people come, Pat. So yeah, we're true. not going to kink shame. If, uh, if, you know, you get off to uh, hating our opinions, wanting us to shut up. But you just keep on listening because it, it's what juices your prostate, baby. You know what? I like that. Yeah. That wow. Did you? <laughs> you 
You just blew a straight layer of fabric off of my chair. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, you, you're unupholstering it. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, you get stereo episodes, moment I done making them. Oh, they're also ad-free. That's pretty fucking cool. Uh, also, if you pay $10 a month, you get access to my Plex server, which uh, has fucking... I don't know, all of Star Trek on it, uh, 15,000 films on it, 200 shows on it, more content than like several streaming services put together. Mm. It is thorough. And then you just put 10th Kingdom on there. I just put 10th Kingdom on there. And uh, uh, so one of one of our Patreons who uh, has that has been going through and watching all of Enterprise lately. Hells they, yeah. They've gotten through like two entire seasons in a couple weeks. Wow. Yeah, this is like their first time using Plex and they've just been like, binging enterprise but they I mean, only enterprise the f- is hard to find places besides i guess like paramount plus exactly yeah, yeah. yeah except for paramount plus and you know it's, yeah so uh you know if if you want that uh ten dollars a month but for just five dollars a month we go ahead and uh, mention your name on the podcast to uh, people just like uh, dan morrison dylan lance ian killia joanna hearn jordan hale nick savard shane sawyer and david croning seats yeah, all these people are fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, and if uh, you see them or you know them, uh, I think they all deserve a delicious carbonated beverage. Oh, that's nice. So if, if you're in any position to uh, give them a delicious carbonated beverage. Here, I got one for you. Hell yeah, baby. Give them a, give them a nice uh, tasty drink. Mm. Uh, once again, that is patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs to sign up. Patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. The BS stands for bullshit, but you know what else BS stands for? Hmm. Backshots. Backshots, baby. You got it. Yeah. You got it. You got it. God damn, damn it. Speaking of backshots, let's uh, let's come all over Star Trek First Contact. Hell yeah. I didn't write this one. Yeah. Theme song. Theme song. We got to go it on. Everybody come on and suck on the theme dong. That theme dong, the theme dong. Theme dong's coming. Theme dong's coming. You better get run because dad is coming home. Theme dong's cheating on daddy, and daddy's gonna be mad he has a gun. <laughs> Don't get killed by daddy. In some jurisdictions, they take that as a self-defense measure, and you don't want to do that because of Castle Doctrine, it's really fucking bad. Yeah. Yeah. Are you gonna keep that in, or are you gonna put a song over it? Mm, you know what? Why <laughs> Why mitigate genius, am I right? <laughs> why? Why make a song? What's the point? What's the point? I made a perfect song. We watch Star Trek First Contact. Released on November 22nd, 1996, two years after Star Trek Generations. Uh, this one was directed by none other than Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. A very, very magical, uh, very magical man, director of many Star Trek episodes, but maybe most importantly in the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they Motherfucking they, William T. Riker. Yeah, originally they, I think they approached like John Tierneman and mm-hmm. um, someone else. Yeah, they had some interesting ideas, but like, honestly, I feel like Jonathan Frakes was the best choice they could have. Oh yeah, he did a great, he did an excellent job, fantastic job. job. He he did a great job of bridging 
like the the ideals and like the aesthetic and the feeling you have to like the better of the TNG episodes and like putting that into movie form. Like it still has a very big movie feel to it and it just feels way bigger than an episode of Star Trek. But at the same time, like the camaraderie and the little bits and pieces of you know, that the minutiae that makes Star Trek Star Trek is still there. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah, there was like there this uh, this uh, movie definitely has a lot of uh, some very very great lines mm-hmm. that I that I love that I think really sum up the what I love about Star Trek. And yeah, absolutely. That's that's how I felt. There's there's so many moments that are like heartfelt in this movie, and you're like, mm-hmm. God, that is so, that is so this character. Yeah, like there's so then, many moments where I'm like, God, that is like. Even though it's like action Picard, that is still so Picard. <laughs> that that is a thing. Yeah, there are some excellent Picard moments, and then there's some insanely bad Picard. There's moments. a there's a <laughs> there's like two very bad Picard moments, but most yeah. of the Picard moments like really fit into his character. There's some great data moments. There's some. Uh, this is, in my opinion, I'm going to say it right here. This is Worf's finest hour. Ex- yeah, except for Worf also has some good moments. Worf in this. has the best moments. Worf, <laughs> yeah. Worf fucking kicks ass in this movie. He does. Uh, like this is that's because it's DS nine. It's te- yeah, he's it's DS nine era Worf. Like, yeah, this so is, he's he's actually kicking ass now. Yeah, I feel like this is like his his greatest redemption right here. This is his, him coming back and being like, "Hello, Captain. By the way, I'm competent now. I'm actually good at my job." And uh, he proves mm-hmm. it. He proves it. It's really wonderful. Um, so. This movie was once again written by the team of Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga. Yeah. And once again, giving uh, the story credits to Rick Berman, as well as Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a big, I think, um, stylistic and tonal change in this one that I think really improved the film over uh, its predecessor, uh, Star Trek Generations is they brought in they brought back motherfucking Jerry Goldsmith to do the music on this film, mm-hmm. making it I think the third film he's done. The this honestly for. has One. the best opening song I think out of all. It's of It's so good. It's like very. It's it's like emotionally wrenching. Yeah, it's really good. Like yeah, the the opening and the closing song. It's like yeah, there's there's some good fucking shit. There's some mm-hmm. great themes in here. There's mm-hmm. some really cool, interesting musical cues that he does. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Um, didn't use a lot of like synthesizers and electronics in his original Star Trek stuff, but this is like full of synthesizers and electronics. And I, you know, I think he did the music on Star Trek six, right? Mm, I think so. Six or something like that. It was, it was one of the later ones, Mm. um, he did eventually use some synthesizers, but there's a lot in here and it like totally really fits with the whole Borg electronics thing. Yeah, like, I love uh, when it shows the Borg and it does play this, like, sort of industrial yeah, sort yeah. of, like, it sound, it's pretty much sounds like pipes being struck in a factory. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> and and like, also, they have this Borg thing where it's, like, it, it plays the first three notes from um, the Spake Zathasura or whatever mm, from yeah, uh, yeah. 2001, the bum, 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 but it does it with, like, a synthesizer and it does it, like, with the scent kind of off, so it's like kind of warbly a little bit, and it sounds like super electronic and weird, mm-hmm. and it's it's really cool. Like yeah. the, the music on this movie is fucking awesome. Really like it. Uh, do you want to jump right into this bad boy? Let's do it up. Let's jump right into the Borg pool, baby. So we uh, we begin with uh, sort of a nightmare, uh, mm-hmm. still haunted by memories of his assimilation six years ago. Uh, Captain Jean Luc Picard awakens from a nightmare of uh, being reassimilated. Uh, and washes his face. Mm-hmm. In the mirror, 
he is surprised by a Borg assimilation unit emerging from under the skin of his face. Double nightmare. Yeah. Double nightmare. Double freak out. And that and that scene really holds up. I think. Like look at like for the for it being you know 1996. Yeah, I mean uh, special effects. Yeah, CGI. Pretty and much stuff. all the CGI and special effects in this movie really actually holds up quite. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Like uh, yeah. That, that I remember that seeing that scene when I was younger and didn't really freak because I saw this in theaters as well. Oh, I I remember vividly <laughs> seeing this one in theaters. Yeah. I I won I won like stuff from the local comic shop at two of the premieres in mm-hmm. a row of wow. uh of Star Trek movies. This one and then um Insurrection. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, and I I remember being like super fucking stoked. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I was what I had to have been ten years old. Yeah. I was like deep into Star Trek at ten. Oh yeah. I had already tried to play the the uh, VHS Go Ron game several times. <laughs> and, like, I was very confused by it. Did you have any of those, like, remember those really shitty handheld games that they used to have that were just like... No, I never had any of those. Uh, like yeah. the, the kind of like uh, um, uh, plane watch type shitty things. Those little... Yeah, mm-hmm. I n- never had those. Oh, I had a few for that were tied into movies. I'm not sure if I had... I remember having one Star Trek one, but it wasn't the first contact one. But yeah, Surprisingly, I never actually had any Star Trek video games. But mm-hmm. I'd like I'd like rent them and then be like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, like all the Star Trek video games. Yeah, I didn't have any of the good sucked, ones, uh, the ones for like systems. I just had those really weird, shitty handheld things where it just has like guys come at you, and it's like, oh, but, guys coming at you. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> you know, the guys just come on you. And, oh and, yeah. <laughs> I, I call this one bathhouse. Is that a game? I yeah, <laughs> I'm not even sure what those things were called. They don't. They don't definitely don't make them anymore. They should. They're, I remember them always having like some movie tie-in. Like and uh, yeah, they were like Game and Watch type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like fake ass Game Boys. Yeah, yeah. they were cool. No, they weren't. <laughs> they were shit that like your grandma gets. You. She's like, "Oh, I know you want a Game Boy and you like the Star Wars." My so... my, my great aunt was the one that gave it to me because my parents my, gotcha. par- my parents wouldn't buy that stuff. But uh, like, oh, she my... found it at a Walmart. Yeah, she yeah. My, gr- my great aunt. She didn't. She didn't have any kids or anything, uh, so she yeah. would just buy us like me and my brothers like those really weird little handheld games and stuff. So yeah, yeah. she sounds nice. Yeah, she was nice. Yeah, she was really cool. Yeah, hell yeah. Little cool aunt. <laughs> yeah. So, awakening for real t- this time, Picard receives a communique from Starfleet Command. Uh, appearing on his desktop terminal, Starfleet Admiral Hayes relays distressing news that Picard partially guesses from his dream. And uh, immediately, Picard's like, The Borg. The Borg. Uh, and uh, the, uh, Admiral Hayes says, A Borg cube has attacked a Federation outpost on Ivor Prime and crossed. Into Federation space. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, basically like Wolf 35942, except this time they don't have a Picard. Yeah. Um, but they learned the lessons. They don't need a Picard, right? They didn't need a Picard. Yeah. They wanted a Picard, but per- perhaps a Picard was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just like Star Trek Picard was a bad idea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Much in the same way. Very comparable. Yeah, there's a, like the three fi- Wolf 359 does come up. I feel, well, we'll get to it later, but like... Just there's some decisions I feel like that Picard makes. I'm like, why would you do that given 359? (laughs) Because he's an action Picard. Yeah, he is action Picard. Yeah, he makes a lot of really bad decisions in this. But somehow they end up working out in the end. Yeah, amazingly. (laughs) Very amazing. So uh, Picard dutifully informs his crew. Uh, We we now go to uh, like uh, he's hanging out with his, his crew in like a ready room and 
He informs them that they are to take the new Sovereign Class USS Enterprise E, it was built after the destruction of the D in the last film, Yeah, uh, to patrol the Romulan neutral zone. Which is good that it is like a Sovereign Class because this one doesn't have any kids on it. Yes. Which is excellent because given what happens. Like, cause could you imagine if there were children on this on this enterprise? I like to imagine there were children on this enterprise. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing is cooler to me than like kids getting assimilated by the Borg. Yeah. Or or the Borg finding a bunch of kids and, and figuring like they're not worth assimilation and just like jettisoning them out into space. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> Yep. Basically. Yeah. Or just like turning them into chairs. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the Enterprise E observation lounge, the senior crew protest and are confused as to why the most advanced ship in the fleet, and the newest ship in the fleet, in fact, is being uh, relegated to a relatively unimportant task. And um, uh, data notes that the Romulans have not caused any incidents in the past, like, eight to nine months and would almost certainly not take the opportunity to start a conflict, especially with the Borg in the air. Mm-hmm. Picard doesn't disagree with the protests, but is compelled to follow orders. And he says, this is our orders, and we're going to take them. Uh, he later confides to First Officer William T. Riker, also director of the film, mm-hmm. that the reason Starfleet is keeping the Enterprise away from the Borg is due to Picard's history with them, which honestly, wise. Very wise, right? Yeah. I mean, at the same time, like... Though there was an episode previously where he was enlisted by an admiral because of like against the Borg because of his expertise. True, true. With the Borg and, and I mean, yeah, there there is some because like he dealt with the Hugh situation really well mm-hmm. and stuff. So I don't know. And the Hugh situation happened after he was assimilated. Yes. And very like a couple seasons after, a couple years after. So. Which which brings which is why like I don't like a lot of like his decisions and like his mm-hmm. his behavior in this film because the the Hugh thing happened and you know he uh, ha- afterwards, and he had a chance to genocide the Borg, and mm-hmm. didn't take it because he recognized the Borg's humanity, yeah, so and right to live, right. and like committing genocide would have been a step too far. Yeah, and so I feel like there's a real inconsistency when it comes to the Borg. Like, yeah, like Picard sees the Borg is an enemy that cannot tolerate compromise in any way, mm-hmm. and will like wipe out and genocide basically any culture they come in contact with, but especially humanity. Uh, but he does not see a necessity to genocide them and wipe out the threat like at the core, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's strange. And the fact that he was able to be taken back right. from being Borg. Exactly. And, uh, but Tell- that, but that, 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 doesn't exist for anyone else. Yeah, I like how, like, for everyone else, he's like, oh, it's too late for them. You'd be doing them <laughs> yeah, a favor. No. Fucking mark them. Fucking kill them in the face. Yeah. And, and they're like, yeah, but what about you? You were Borg for, like, a couple weeks. Shut up, shut, shut up, up, shut up, shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut up. No, up, you're up. wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't Borg for long enough. You're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah, because they really, like, uh, um, there is a lot of, like, obviously, I mean, they, they flat out and say it, but there are a lot of Moby Dick parallels between... Um, this Picard and, you know, an Ahab. And in as much, there's a lot of parallels between this movie and 2022's The Whale by Darren Aronofsky. Oh, Austin, yeah. Because there's a lot of Moby Dick in it. <laughs> there's a lot of, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and there's a lot of Mo Dick shots. I don't know. Sorry. 
yeah, trying to make a joke there. <laughs> but, like, that one felt real flat. But, but yeah, like because and I th- but I feel like they lean into it too much, and where Picard is just acting very out of type. Right, and also it doesn't help that I think a few years after this, he uh, he did like an adaptation of Moby Dick for I think it was like a, a, a television miniseries or something. Mm-hmm. And so I've always like associated him with Captain Ahab in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so like with this movie, I'm like, oh wow, yeah, okay, weird. Yeah, and and plus like uh, I read like how um, Patrick Stewart himself was the one that really stressed because I guess like originally this movie was to take place more on Earth. Mm-hmm rather than the ship yeah, and not be such an action film, but it's Patrick Stewart that fought for the, uh, for it being like an action vehicle for him. So I don't like the action vehicle decision, but the decision to have like probably a majority of the film take place on an overtaken enterprise E, mm-hmm. I actually think is a cool decision. Yeah. I like and there's it. like some lines that actually tie it up like super well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's, um, a line where CCH pounders asking him something like, uh, that's not know, CCH pounder. Uh, wait, what? That's not her. It's not? Mm-mm. Wait, the... Alf, I think her name's Alf Woodard. Are, really? Mm-hmm. I th- are, are you talking um, Lily? Yeah. I thought that was CCH Pounder. No? Nope, her name's uh, Alfrey Woodard. Wood- Woodard. Isn't CCH Pounder in this film? Mm-mm. Huh, no shit. <laughs> Isn't she in a Star Trek, though? I don't think so. No, it's a, a actress named Al- Alfrey Woodard. Huh. Wild. She looks just like CCH Pounder. She got that <laughs> CCH Pounder face hard, dog. She was in K-Pax? Come on. Oh, oh yeah. That's my favorite um, Yeah. Favorite Kevin Spacey alien film. There's actually a really funny, um, uh, funny bit of trivia I read with her that happened mm-hmm. on this movie. Yeah. But but I'll, we'll get into it. Like it was, it, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Fair. So uh, Riker emphatically disagrees with Starfleet's decision to uh, keep them away from the Borg fight, saying that Picard's experience with the Borg would be a valuable asset in fighting them. I guess I can see that argument ish. Um, they then receive word that the fleet has engaged the Borg and listen uh, over the speakers if the battle goes very very badly. Mm. It's all just like. Oh no! Decks five through. We need reinforcements. The admiral's dead. The other admiral's dead. We had a third admiral. Well, he's dead too. Like that's pretty much all it is. It's uh, it doesn't like once it's another battle of Wolf three five nine. Yeah, fucking the one Borg ship mercs everything Starfleet has to offer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because this is before like uh, Janeway really like learned how to fuck the Borg up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she, you know, be a thorn in the Borg side. Mm. So, yeah, they're still, Federation's still struggling with them. Indeed. So, Picard announces his intention to commit a direct violation of uh, Starfleet orders, and that if anyone on the bridge objects, it will be noted in his log. The crew vote unanimously to disobey their orders, uh, with Data saying, uh, noting, uh, respectfully, Captain, to hell with our orders. And it was actually a very fun moment, either, even though it's like very, very out of character for Data. It's very, fact, uh, yes. From yeah, yeah. Generations. It's, it's very Go Yoda moment. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and he but, looks but around. <laughs> so I, like about, sucked, but, I, do, I do like the little look around he does. Like, you know, he's like uh-huh. about to make a little joke. He's like, looks around, looks, spans the audience and like, to hell with their orders. Oh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and you know, like fucking like right after that that scene, like uh, you can hear Jonathan Frakes yell, cut! And he walks over and he's like, fuck, yes! It's <laughs> yes! like the biggest high five to Brent Spider. Um, you, you know, he just like, you know, because this is like Frakes' first film, I think, that he directed, mm. right? And so- I bet he was chatting out this whole time. Like every every like set um, photo you'll find of them on the set, like he's smiling in every single shot. And also like on this movie, he's constantly grinning. It's kind of, it's almost weird. Yeah. But it's kind of cool at the same time. Like mm-hmm. every time he's talking to someone, he's like about to laugh. Yeah. And it's like, at this point, like I feel that's almost a part of his character because he, he actually gets like pretty fucking goofy in the later seasons of TNG. Like, there's a lot of scenes, especially, like, him and Marina Sirtis, where they're both, like, just almost about to laugh and, like, trying to make each other laugh the whole scene. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And it's, it's funny, and, and I wonder if that is because, I guess, like, um, on this movie, he uh, got the nickname Two Takes Freaks because mm-hmm. uh, because he would just, like, get every single shot you needed for this movie in two takes or less. That's amazing. Yeah. Like so considering like the awesome quality of this film, that's amazing. Yeah, I guess he was like very he was very efficient in the way he filmed it. So I'm wondering if that's why he was like looked like he was grinning because like, you know, because he knew he was like getting getting <laughs> away with like getting paid a couple million dollars to basically just like hang out with his buds. Well, also it's like, you know, you can't get a more you d- didn't get a more serious one, you know, he still has the giggles or or something from yeah. You know, so, but still, but he, he everything this, works though. Yeah, it, oh. yeah, it works. Yeah, but you could tell. Yeah, he is like a little, a little giggly in this. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, the crew vote unanimously to disobey their orders and set a course t- for Earth at maximum warp, where they join a fleet of vessels repelling an advancing board cube. Uh, rescuing survivors, including Lieutenant Commander Worf, uh, from the badly damaged warship. Excuse me, USS Defiant. So this is he's returning from uh, DS9 at this point with the Defiant to join in this battle. Uh, Riker reports that the fleet admiral ship has been destroyed. Now I do wonder how they got the Defiant over here so quickly. Mm. You know, because like Deep Space Nine isn't exactly that; it's in deep space. Well, I think uh, uh. Wasn't like uh, I think at that point he had some time to get over there because I guess, but it's like a like DS Nine's a far ways away. Yeah, from so I don't know. Because um, it, it, it and this and this is the only time the Defiant a a ship built to fight the Borg actually fights the Borg. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's literally the only chance because like the Borg don't make any appearances in DS Nine. Yeah, and um uh. The Defiance never in Voyager. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, 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 the, the, yeah, the, yeah. The Defiance were made to fight the Borg, so yeah, yeah. this is the only, and it gets fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gets super fucking fucked up. Um. So. Uh, so after they save uh, Lieutenant Commander War from the USS Defiant, uh, Riker reports that the Fleet Admiral ship has been destroyed, fucking mm-hmm. murked. Got him. So they are without a leader now. Uh, informed by data that the cube's outer hull has been heavily damaged and its power grid is fluctuating, Picard has a good look at the cube on the view screen and uses uh, his remaining connection to the Borg to briefly listen in to their thoughts. Picard takes command of the fleet and swiftly uh, and, and uh, tells them 
uh, Admiral's dead. I'm taking control. On my mark, I want everyone to fire at the at these coordinates and sends them all coordinates. And everyone's like, okay, we're standing by. So he orders all vessels to target a seemingly insignificant region of the cube, and they do, and it fucking explodes. Mm-hmm. However, the foundering board ship launches a sphere-shaped Borg vessel towards Earth right as that happens. Mm-hmm. Yep, and first first appearance of the of the Borg sh- sphere. Yeah, we love a Borg sphere. Yeah. yeah Borg spheres are, like, cool, and, like, I don't know, Borg cubes are cool, but Borg spheres are cooler. Yeah. They're sleeker. Yeah, they look pretty sick. And I'm like, I don't know. It's it's weird that they have both, though, right? Like, it is. They figure they'd be like, this one shape is superior, but they're like, no, we like both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the cubes make sense because they all can like fit together, and uh, and they're in the Borg hive, you know, just like right. be easily stacked. And then, but then like a sphere, a sphere, <laughs> a sphere. I feel like for mobility would be better. Mobility through space and stuff. But well, no, not the transwarp well, conduits. Well, so through space, there's no air resistance, so it can be any shape it wants. That's true. So like. That's why a cube, a cube has is just as. Uh, I mean, there's there's no air resistance, but there are like there are materials and things like. Yeah. That's why they have the deflector dish, and that's oh, why I figure. Oh like, yeah, cube, if it, if it can, yeah, yeah, it can like go through like yeah, yeah like things will, small will areas pass over it instead of going straight into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, but they have their transwarp conduits. I'm sure they have. Yeah, got like shields a... and shit. I'm sure mm-hmm. they don't give a fuck. Um. So, Worf, now commanding the Defiant again, uh, arrives on the bridge. Or sorry, Worf, uh, who yeah got rescued from the Defiant, arrives on the bridge, and uh, after being formally welcomed aboard the Enterprise E by Picard, offers his assistance. He asks about the status of the Defiant, and it is uh, he is relieved when he is told is adrift but salvageable. <laughs> and he was just about to fucking nine eleven. The yes. defiant into the Borg cube. So it's funny that he's just like, "Is it okay?" And like, "Well, he's, he's oh. yeah." Oh, and Adam Scott was on that. Was on, on um on the on the Adam defiant. Scott really? Yeah, that was I Adam. Did not notice Adam Scott. Yeah, that was Adam Scott. That was uh that was on the defiant with Worf giving him like he must have been super young. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah wild. Yeah, that was Adam Scott. That's that's fun. <laughs> uh, so Picard uh, requests he take tactical, and Riker jokingly asks if he remembers how to fire the phasers. Yeah, uh, which was kind of very shitty to say to him. No, it's kind of funny. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> it's just a joke between colleagues. Yeah, know? just a little, just a little it's, gaff. It's, it's his boss. Like you can make fun of your boss. It's never wrong to make fun of your boss. Yeah. Uh, so suddenly, the sensors detect that the Borg sphere is creating a temporal vortex. Uh, the crew all watch the view screen as the Borg vessel disappears through the vortex, and Earth dramatically changes immediately. <laughs> Uh, seeing that it is now po- uh, populated entirely by Borg drones, uh, has like I think they they did a reading and had like a nine billion Borg drones on there with a toxic Jesus at- Christ and a toxic atmosphere only suitable to them. They determine that history has been changed, having been protected from the changes themselves by the wake of the temporal vortex. As the vortex collapses, Captain Picard orders Lieutenant Hawk who's a new addition to this film, mm-hmm. uh, not to alter course and have the Enterprise follow the Borg into the past to repair whatever damage they've done. Bum, now, bum, bum. now, I do hate this as a plot point. Oh, that they were, that they were saved from, um, from the time change? Well, that and also they just like have to go back to the past and can do so so easily. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think it you know probably makes sense that they were in the tail of the sphere of the sphere, so like they were able to just like go back in time along with it. But otherwise, it's like yeah, I mean, just like I mean, there's some there's some weird uh, there's some other like weird mm-hmm. like um, science gobbledygook that they use to to explain um, some serious potholes. I mean, that that's Star Trek for you. <laughs> that though. is Star. It's like whenever they start trying. Start start talking science. Yeah, I'm usually like, "What are they covering up?" Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, just to make the story happen. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so, um, in the small shanty town of Bozeman, Montana, which mm-hmm. is actually a shanty town now, which is strange, even though there's a college <laughs> there and stuff. Uh, Lily Sloan, who I'm pretty sure is CCH pound. Uh, Alfred, actually, no, guess what? Yeah, what's that? J- Jonathan Frakes mm-hmm. calls her his godmother. Interesting. They met, uh, they were, they were on shows together in the 1970s. I think that's oh. why she's on, uh, in this. Oh, okay. So like, was she on like, um, I don't know. Oh, she was on like Law and Order. Was he on Law and Order? No, I think it was like some like, um, like, uh, cause I, cause, uh, Jonathan Frakes, I'm pretty sure did, um. What's it called? Uh, soap operas. Yeah, he was in I think General Hospital and Young and the Restless. Or something. Yeah, I yeah like uh, they met they met along there and um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Jonathan Frakes calls her his godmother. The two became friends as young actors in the nineteen seventies. Pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, Lily Sloan and Zephram Cochran uh, in Bozeman, Montana, J- played by as played by James Cromwell. That'll do, Poog. Yeah, fucking fucking love that dude. Yeah, also, it's, it's pretty awesome. He's a vegan. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so uh, they wander. Did you think he became a vegan because of Babe? Do you think that? Do you that, think the talking rock. pig changed him? That that would rock. <laughs> yeah. Or if he's like, I was I was still eating a lot of meat after Babe, but Babe too, pig in the city. Let me tell you, <laughs> that changed my life. I could see that. I mean, Babe is a very emotional movie. I, I really didn't get it until the pig went to the city. Because you see, I live in the city. <laughs> and when the pig was in the country, I didn't understand the moral implications of eating a pig. I do like that the that the city that the Babe went to, like the city was built for animals. Who built the city for the animals? Not the animals. Because it's very animal friendly. I mean, did, it have, did the city have to be built? Maybe it just always was. You ever think about? Oh that? yeah, but was it built by animals? I mean, <laughs> do you consider man to be an animal? Yes. So I guess animals did build it, no matter what. Man. Yeah. Ever see Earthlings, man? <laughs> yeah. Man. Why? Why? Like, why are humans considered like the Earthlings? We're all Earthlings, bro. Yeah, man. We're all fucking <laughs> one race, man. Human. Wait, no, that's not. I mean, that is the wrong. that is the plot of uh, Star Trek Four. That you know, uh, whales are humans. The, well, the whales are the earthlings that the, the, the aliens want to speak to, yeah. not not us. Like yeah. we're in, we're insignificant and, and comparatively. Uh, that's also the plot to Avatar Two: The Way of Water. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I actually didn't think about that. Yeah, that's, it'd be awesome if in Star Trek Four they got Piacon. <laughs> yeah, that that would rock. Piacon, Piacon would have fucked everybody up. Oh yeah, he would. Oh, there's nowhere really to fuck up in Star Trek Four. You know, who was he gonna fuck up? Would have been wasted. Uh, no, he would have like flown out into space and destroyed that probe. He would have fucking eaten it. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but fuck you, probe! It's like fuck I just want to talk to whales. Fuck you! Fuck you! Talk to these. <laughs> does a little does a little twirl underwater and then jumps out. Oh yeah, 
fucking fight con rocks. Go see Avatar 2 The Way of Water. Yeah. The entire movie is worth it just for a whale attacking a boat. It's fucking so cool. It really is. That's why when people talk smack on it, I'm just like, what What other movie fucking has like a whale like killing a bunch of Marines and just like yeah. fucking the shit out of everybody and yeah. just like. Yeah, Free Willy? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Free Willy's a pacifist and kind of a pussy. Yeah, fuck Free Willy. Yeah, Free Willy. <laughs> Free Willy's a killer whale. Doesn't kill fucking shit. No. Fuck that. Um, so Lily Sloan and Zephram Cochran wander out of a makeshift bar as their town is unexpectedly pulverized by a volley of disruptor fire. Lily and Cochran run for cover, but are unaware that the Borg sphere is responsible for the destruction raining down upon them. Lily suspects that they're under attack by the forces of the Eastern coalition. Econ. Econ. Economics 101. <laughs> um, the Enterprise-E emerges from the temporal vortex and destroys the Borg sphere with quantum torpedoes. Scanning the surface, the crew discovers they have arrived on April 4th, 2063. Mm-hmm. 40 years from now. Whoa. Whoa, think about that, man. Yeah. We, yeah, we get to meet fucking Vulcans and shit. And like a yeah, it's 40 forward. years from now? I don't plan on being alive by then. So that means, that means Zephram Cochran is alive now. Yeah. I mean, he's... He was like 50-something in that Yeah, movie. so he's, he's probably like a teenager. Oh, no. Zephram Cochran. He's a zoomer. zoomer. Oh, no. No. I'm surprised he doesn't have that fucking haircut. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so funny if he was just like a, a YouTuber. It's like, what's up? It's your boy. I'm going to take the speed the Phoenix up into space. <laughs> he's doing TikTok videos. God. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah, he has like that curly hair with the head shape, with the side uh, shape. Th- I'm glad that I said the haircut and you just like described it like a minute later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I knew, I knew that haircut. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> the Enterprise emerges from the temporal vortex. Uh, no, I already got that. Uh, one, uh, so uh, they arrived at April 4th, 2063, one day before Earth's first contact with the Vulcans and a decade mm-hmm. following the destruction of the Earth in World War Three. Yeah. You know why it was, uh, they chose April 5th as first contact day? Um, a week before tax day. Uh, it's uh, Ronald D. Moore's uh, son's birthday, Jonathan. No, just Yeah, so he decided to make it his son's birthday. That's kind of fun. Yeah. My, uh, it's my, my birthday is the eighth, so <sighs> I don't appreciate it being that close, but not correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, how about this? So it's April 5th, right? Mm-hmm. But if you add the World War Three, mm-hmm. that's eight. Oh, there you go. I'm sure something significant happened on, on April 8th with the Vulcans. Maybe they, maybe they discovered pizza so you can make that. So, (laughs) although like, I mean, April 8th is awesome already. Like Mm -hmm. April 8th is one of my favorite holidays uh, because that's the day uh, Margaret Thatcher died. Oh yeah. Yeah. So hell yeah. Hells yes. Yeah. Margaret, Margaret Thatcher death. (laughs) So Picard surmises that the Borg were attempting to prevent the launch of earth's first warp powered craft. He gathers Lieutenant Commander Data and uh, Dr. Beverly Crusher, who is fucking banging in this film. Oh, yeah, she goes I, blonde in this. Like, I, I, and she goes blonde with, like, short hair. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't express, like, how this is the very hottest version of Beverly Crusher and probably Gates McFadden. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, she is hot in this film. <laughs> I don't know. She was pretty hot when that picture of her dressed as Beverly Crusher on a unicycle. That's my shit. 
I mean, that's that's your fetish. That's what, <laughs> yes, that's what you mean. yes. Like you just you just want to fuck a girl who can juggle while she's sucking your dick. Like that's <laughs> that's all you really want in life. And like on any, a unicycle, any path that leads to there, no matter how sordid, you will follow that path. <laughs> that's why you are who you are, Pat. And that's yeah. why I respect it. Is you're a man with a goal, <laughs> a singular goal, mm-hmm. and uh, you've obviously followed a terrible, terrible way to get there. But you're, you're looking for your dreams, buddy. <laughs> Suck your dreams, dick. (laughs) Fucking (laughs) suck all the fucking cream and come right out your dreams balls. Mm -hmm. Let it go all the way down your. Make dreams happen. Oh yeah. Make (laughs) dreams come. What dreams may come? What dreams may come? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! Oh no! Oh! Oh! They sent my wife to hell. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my son's Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, oh, that happened. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, (laughs) jeez. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, Data and uh, Crusher show up, leading an away team to locate the warp ship's inventor, Dr. Zephram Cochran. Mm-hmm. After beaming down, Picard's away team enters Cochran's missile silo, where they find the occupants dead, but the prototype warp ship, the Phoenix, suffering only minor damage. Picard and Data inspect the rocket, but are surprised by Lily who's definitely played by CCH Pounder, <laughs> who fires at the Enterprise officers. Uh, impervious to bullets, however, uh, and she's like, got you, motherfucker! <laughs> and then, uh, like, shoots a fucking, like, AR. Take this, Dutch! Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Dutch! Uh, she's, uh, she, uh, but she, it's not CCH Pounder. <laughs> uh, yeah, so CCH Pounder, uh, the CCH Pounder lookalike that they hired for this <laughs> film. <laughs> the CCH founder impersonator. Um, CCH pounds data uh, with yeah. a bunch of bullets. Yeah. And he just like, take that motherfucker! <laughs> just, rat a tat tat tat. What she does to him. And then he just turns around and he's like, greetings. And it's it's actually a very funny moment. I like how there's no. Like they get, they're like okay well we're going down to the 21st century mm-hmm. uh, let's bring the android yeah. the guy who looks like a fucking freak yeah. <laughs> and like and let's really freak people out oh and, and, uh, <laughs> and Riker's like checking files like no I've got an idea we can tell people he's a uh, goth yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he yeah he has jaundice <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just a goth uh, alcoholic he drinks way too yeah, much that's why the whole yellow white skin you know yeah you he's, he's yeah yellow eyes he's got liver disease yeah and like um but yeah that's i mean this is just kind of the start of them making very bad temporal choices mm-hmm. and just like like just saying fuck the timeline because yeah they just they bring down the android and don't bother to disguise him in any way shape or form and and so as i've said before (laughs) like i am willing to suspend any and all disbelief and and any and all criticism as Mm -hmm. long as what you're doing rocks and i gotta say as many plot holes as there are in this film it just rocks too fucking hard dude. (laughs) like it, it rocks too hard for me to be that critical like everything i'll be saying about the film like at, at worst gives me a mediocre feeling about it. Like I love this film. This mm-hmm. film rocks so hard. It's, <laughs> it, I mean, there are parts where it's stupid, but more than anything, it's, it's incredibly entertaining. It's engaging. It is, it is entertaining. It's entertaining. And it tells a good story more than anything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely fun what they do. It's I mean, very it's very fun. And it's, and it's like, the, you know, you, they probably were like, well, we could have them, 
adhere to, um, you know, the Federation would obviously be very careful to maintain the timeline and, and like a, and like a, and like a episode of the series. But yeah, at the same time, but the Federation's basically wiped out at this point. Yeah. I mean, the Federation is wiped out. The Borg went back and like prevented the Federation from happening. So, but, but still they would try you to, you don't got to ask your boss if your boss is a Borg now. <laughs> they would, they would try to like limit the amount of contamination they do and how much information they divulge. Usually, usually, but that's but, not. I mean, but that's not fun to watch on all, the big screen. Yeah, and they only divulge it. I mean, they only have like a day to divulge it to people before the fucking Vulcans show up. Yeah. And so at that so, point, I mean, they're, they're, they do take. There is a, nece- a need for mm. them to just kind of throw a lot of rules to the wind, right? And like they don't really and, have because enough it is like time so to extenuating really, circumstances. Yeah, and they don't have enough time to like get this information into the minds and hands of people other than yeah. Zephram Cochran and CCH Pound. <laughs> <laughs> this is Alfrey Woodard erasure. Who? <laughs> she was in Twelve Years a Slave. Um, that's a book. Uh, <laughs> you can't. You can't be a person in a book pack. Yeah. Come on, man. Uh, so is the damage control team. Um, uh, oh wait. So. Um, uh, fucking Lily fires a bunch of holes into Data, and he's like, uh, yeah, you gotta come with me before you get radiation poisoning. This thing's hot! This rocket ship's hot! Uh, Dr. Crusher returns to the Enterprise with Lily in her care, promising to keep her unconscious as Picard calls up Geordi, asking the chief engineer to bring a repair crew to the silo, which is leaking radiation like mad, which is why everyone's dead in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like... Man, that is nice how they just have a shot. They're like, oh, too much radiation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, everyone's dead, but you're you're not dead yet, so you're good. Um, so as the damage control team departs the ship, engineers Porter and Eager are left to deal with the environmental difficulties that have mysteriously cropped up. One after the other, both officers crawl into a Jeffrey's tube. Mm. Love a Jeffrey's tube. Don't yeah, we, need, we we love our Jeffrey's tube uh, shots. This this might be one of the only Star Trek films with Jeffrey's tubes like mul- in it multiple times. Yeah, um, yeah, they are they are used a lot in this. Yeah, like Crusher hides in one later, and like yeah, and it also it's the best of the TNG films, and also has the most Jeffrey tube shots. So that's what I'm make saying. your own conclusions. That's what I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying. TNG is like built on Jeffrey's tubes, but I am saying that the Enterprise D and E are both built on Jeffrey's tubes, and that's what TNG is all about. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe they are. Yeah. Maybe they are. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I can say that. Well, we're saying it now. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so they crawl into the Jeffrey's tubes wherein they are quietly assimilated by unseen Borg stowaways just hanging out in the Jeffrey's tube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a weird place for them to hang out. I know, because they're, <laughs> they're usually walking around like they're not really like sneaky. Borg are never sneaky. No, they're not. And like, and also they're not very agile either. No. So like, it's just funny, like, because like usually when you see them, which is also funny, like how like, because like in this movie, they say a lot, there is like a lot, they say a lot like how, or the Borg themselves say how they're, they're the perfect, their perfection. And I have a lot of issues with that because <laughs> of this film, because like the Borg, there's, they have not learned any skills of sussing out situations. No. They're just like... <laughs> Yes, this is normal. Like everyone yeah. around them is like naked with guns, and they're like, "There are no threats here. Yeah. I must I go about my job." And I'm like, 
What? And yeah. just walking around like fucking Frankenstein's. Yeah. And just and like so yeah. it's just like But then there's these two that know to like sneak and hide so that that shows that like they have orders to do that or they as like individual Borg have like a kind of sneakiness to them that none of the other Borg do. It's yeah. Like, it's like it makes me like like to imagine like Yeah, because usually they make no effort to ever hide themselves. Yeah. It, it like it makes me like to imagine like a Borg CIA or something like that where it's like <laughs> You know, any other, like, organization or anything, Spycraft is basically, like, sitting at a bar and talking to people, getting them drunk and taking information out of them. Yeah. Or, like, being able to get, like, copies of their phone or cards or whatever and get information that way. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how, how would, like, a Borg spy, like, a Borg is sitting there at a bar, it's like, someone comes up, it's like, hey, can I buy you a drink? Yes, you may. Tell me all your plans. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, they're so bad it's so many things Mm -hmm. that species they have assimilated are good at like the elarians are the best talkers in the world yeah and somehow they assimilated and destroyed the elarians worlds Mm -hmm. however they have none of the skills Mm -mm. that elarians have they they don't even have alcohol that summons a cue yeah and really like a lot of their strength comes from just like the the power of their vessels yeah. And just like the their shield technology and yeah. um and other technology they have but like the Borg themselves are clunky, clumsy and easily <laughs> easily overtaken. Yes. Uh when when not, you know, cuz that's the thing like, you know, if you, if if they all just had batlets, like they could be taken out like no problem. <laughs> oh yeah, cuz cuz the Borg are super fucking strong and they don't like require oxygen and shit. Yeah. Like yeah, if they did hand-to-hand combat stuff they would be awesome, but that's the or thing. Or like, like people using hand to hand combat against them because like too much like I like too much in this in like like a lot of encounters with the Borg, they always insist on using um, phaser rifles. Right. But like War fucks them up with a fucking Matlef. <laughs> Matlef. Yeah. And it's just like they're like, Oh, we're powerless. <laughs> Yeah, because they are. Because I mean, like we we didn't we didn't evolve a way to deflect melee weapons. Yeah, and it's interesting because more than anything, the Borg have like evolved to be like the most advanced ants in the galaxy, and that's it. It's like they're just really good at being ants. Yeah, but ants aren't very advanced, you know. And it's like they, I feel like there's like a law of diminishing returns when you're talking about like actually building societies in that sort of structure, mm-hmm. especially now in this film where it's revealed that they actually have a, like a figurehead queen. Yeah. Like ants do, you know, mm-hmm. it just like <laughs> complicates things. And mm-hmm. honestly, like giving them a queen, bad idea. I, I thought so as well. Yeah. Terrible idea, but the way they play it off, very entertaining. So like my opinion is it should have been like a, like, because uh, I originally like they wrote the queen to compensate because like they were having trouble reading for their central computer. Right, right, right. Which I I guess makes sense because it kind of sucks when you if you had to like stare at the central computer hallway yeah. while it talked. Like <laughs> yeah, like it, when we first when we first meet the Borg, it just shows like an empty. Yeah, uh, it just warehouse. shows. Like, yeah, it shows like the hallway where they're all stationed. And yeah, like, we are the Borg. Like, and if if they had to deliver all of the Borg queen's lines like that. This movie would suck. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's got quite a few lines. Yeah. And, like, and she's a little sassy bitch. She is. She's, yeah. And she's sexy and stuff. And yeah. also, if it was a hallway who's like, you want to fuck Dana? When was the last time you fucked Dana? Like, they'd be like, oh, okay, this is weird, man. No, it would have made sense. It's like, that- if the hallway fucked him, like, what? <laughs> that doesn't. This- but if they did write the writer as, a, as, as speaking with the voice of the Borg, I think would have been interesting. 
Like, yeah, yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, they um, like they like they just make her as a way of um uh easier as an easier way to communicate with the humans. You know, if they let David Lynch direct this, he would have figured out a way for the hallway to fuck data. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Him or Cronenberg. The hallway would just start. Would just start like like leaking like weird like uh, sexual fluids from the from the pores of the of the. Oh yeah, and then like data would start crying like black tears (laughs) while he's coming, and be like, "What?" And then it's like, "This is the most sexual thing I've ever seen." (laughs) It's like a a hallway coming and making making data come. It's like the hallway in The Shining, but uh, instead of blood coming from the elevators, it's just this huge fucking load. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, sensing that something is wrong aboard the Enterprise, Picard returns with Data to the ship, leaving Commander Riker in charge. So, indeed, something is very wrong. Mm-hmm. As the Borg infiltrate the Enterprise, uh, Picard surmises that the Borg, knowing their vessel was doomed, must have transported aboard the undete- uh, uh, aboard undetected while the Enterprise's shields were down. Fleeing Borg drones in sickbay, Dr. Crusher is forced to revive Lily, played by CCH Pound. <laughs> <laughs> With, uh, You're really going to commit to this? Uh, shut up. Uh, um, so suddenly they hear uh, Borg uh, like hitting the door, trying to get mm-hmm. in. And uh, so they activate the Enterprise's emergency medical hologram, mm-hmm. played by none other than Robert Picardo, yep. the doctor, which was a real treat to see. I actually totally forgot he was in this yeah. film. I don't know how I forgot, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's two people at least from mm-hmm. from Voyager in this film mm-hmm. not playing their characters, but not yeah. kind of, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I like how like uh, Crusher says like I swore I'd never use him mm-hmm. <laughs> before like activating him because yeah, which was a pretty funny thing. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, but um, but I do like it because it shows like how like yeah, EMHs are just universal to all ships. Yeah, and, which like, makes sense because I mean it does make that clear in uh, Voyager that mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Zimmerman like programmed mm-hmm. all of them to look like him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, which I like. I like it's it's. It's a weird level of consistency that they like inserted like right at the outset of Voyager. And I really like that they put this in here, but it also makes me so incredibly disappointed that they didn't do the same thing for DS9 in the previous film or this film. Yeah. Like straight up, they could have put anybody from DS9 in any of the fucking TNG films. Oh yeah, it would have made me super happy. It would have made sense for them to be on the Defiant. Yeah, straight up, like yeah, it would have a hundred percent made sense for at least like O'Brien to be there. Like, and everyone loves O'Brien. O'Brien was literally a fan favorite of TNG, which Mm -hmm. is why he got like permanently cast in DS Nine. Like, why wouldn't you want a fan favorite in your fucking Mm -hmm. film? Like, everyone loves O'Brien. Instead, Adam Scott was on the Defiant, not. Not like anybody else. <laughs> just like fine. But and Adam Scott just kind of disappeared too. Like yeah. all the all the defiant the people that they beamed over from defiant. Never... You know, and who knows? Maybe they spent all of their casting money on CCH Pounder. Yeah, but, that's uh, true. You know, she was she was she was she was a hard get back then. Yeah, she was. <laughs> God damn it! I won't take less than a million dollars. God damn it, bitch! <laughs> yeah, like uh, which is weird, and, and it's and it's funny that they don't have Guinan in this movie. They like they I guess they didn't ask Whoopi Goldberg to be in it. That's interesting. I mean, I, because like considering her experience, but but, but, yeah. but she has experience with the Borg. 
Yeah, but I mean, her experience in the previous film didn't do fucking shit. No, it didn't. He's like, <laughs> I have experience with the Borg and the Elarians, and I actually know the guy you're trying to kill. Yeah. Then come back with me and help me. Oh, I can't do that. No, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> you got to take, uh, uh, what's that bald dude? Kirk. Kirk, uh, yeah. <laughs> Take the other bald captain with you. Um, so, um, so Dr. Crusher, uh, thanks to... Uh, EMH, the doctor, uh, and obviously like the Borg fuck up the doctor or he just disappears. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, like he's, he's, he's not ma- a material man quite yet, but that makes me wonder. Cause he does like, he is like materialized as a hologram. Can mm-hmm. the Borg assimilate a hologram? I don't think so. I mean, obviously they could do it after he gets, you know, the, the fucking, um, mm-hmm. yeah. After he's like permanent, but like, yeah, I don't know. I did wonder about that, but anyway, so uh, they're all able to escape uh, into some Jeffrey's tubes, more Jeffrey's yeah, tubes, more babies. Jeffrey's we love tubes. Jeffrey's tubes. Uh, where Lily, played by CCH Pounder, quietly slips away while medical officers flee the deck. On the bridge, Picard orders Data to lock out the main computer with an encryption code as the Borg attempt to take command of the ship. Picard knows that once the Borg have control of the Enterprise, they will assimilate Earth. Now, uh, encryption. Mm-hmm. Um... Assuming that the Borg are like an entirely computerized race, your encryption's not going to do shit, buddy. Like, even if you have like quantum level encryption, like mm-hmm. encryption is only as good as the computers you're using it against. Yeah, and that's what I, they show uh, later on. They show like, um, like a Borg, like a a Borg drone physically trying to solve the encryption mm-hmm. when it just seems they could like actually just link their consciousness. They to could. the computer, they could to to use like the combined power of their of of, <laughs> of their entire mind mm-hmm. to go through every single encryption possibility that there is, like in no time flat. Well, I mean, so sci-fi writers are famously not tech guys. No, so <laughs> they look like it. Like Ronald D. Moore looks like he works in yeah. IT, yeah. but I don't think he knows a lot about computers. No, and plus, like you know, I guess it's also just for the audience. Like you know, we're just gonna think, like, yeah, of course, there's just gonna be like a Borg like hitting buttons on a pad mm-hmm. to try to solve it instead of them just like yeah, just like solving it with the power of their of the collective mind mm-hmm. instead. But. So Picard knows that once the Borg have control of the Enterprise, they will assimilate Earth. Bum, bum, bum. So below decks, uh, Picard briefs Data, Worf, and a team of security officers as they arm themselves with phaser rifles. Uh, Worf informs the crew that even with a rotating modulation, they will get at most 12 shots before the Borg adapt, which is actually an interesting callback to like when they first encountered the Borg mm-hmm. and like they shoot one Borg and he goes down and then another Borg, they try to shoot and he's like immediately, um, uh, you know, adapted to their phaser fire. Mm-hmm. I just got to point out, I'm sorry. I'm uh, looking at, through my window at the place across the street and their windows are entirely fogged up. Like they're having a no loads refused, refused orgy going on in there. Oh, fuck yeah. Right? Like it, it is like completely fogged in there. Like either they've been boiling water in there all day or they're just <laughs> having the nastiest group sex ever. You know what? Why not both? They're just they're making. Yeah, we're, they're, we're doing a crawdad boy on a pussy <laughs> in the contest tonight. Or they're making big batch of pasta to eat after after the uh, oh yeah after yeah. fucking you know oh, no. they after, went, after 
Girl, I'm gonna put all this rigatoni right in that pussy and eat it out like a like it's a like it's a squid. You gotta you gotta you gotta load up on carbs after a lot of physical activity. During a lot of physical oh, yeah, activity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can keep going. So <laughs> yeah. eat a bunch of pasta and then go right back at it. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> that's the Italian way. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. Um so is the Borg um have taken control of main engineering. Picard explains their objective. Puncture one of the warp plasma coolant tanks. Doing so will release the plasma coolant, liquefying the Borg's organic components, without which, Picard explains, the cyborgs cannot survive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Picard also warns his officers that they should not show mercy to assimilated Enterprise crew members. Uh, (laughs) Indeed, he said, killing them would be the merciful thing to do at this point, which is yeah, it's very fascinating. His like his attitude towards it, like I mean, all of these people were like they. I mean, they just got like back to the past. Like all of these people were just assimilated in the past few days. Yeah, like in the in the past few hours mm-hmm. now, and so like Picard was assimilated for days or weeks. Yeah, with, at the Battle of Wolf three five nine, and they got him back and didn't kill him and like mm-hmm. revived him. Yeah. So it's really weird that he's just writing all these people off as like casualties of war already. Yeah. And that's totally unlike him as a captain because he sees even the death of like one person to be a failure on his part. Yeah. Like and that Gito Saxon or Zito Jackson. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like any, like every in the series, uh, he approaches every, every encounter at with violence as a last resort mm-hmm. and like and it's fast and it's and it's interesting they don't there's no scenes of them really discussing other possibilities mm-hmm. like that where they can like where and uh, where like, they, even a scene where they like try to save a borg and he like yeah either has a self-destruct sequence that goes on or like while they're trying to save him, he starts to try to assimilate them. Or yeah, something, something like, to really like buy buy the fact that they they just think like they're they're beyond the pale of yeah, being yeah yeah like like up the stakes immediately and like you know if you've watched the series you already have a pretty good idea that like the Borg cannot be reasoned with and mm-hmm. you know after watching Wolf three five nine I'm pretty sure you'd get that general impression. Mm-hmm. However, like you know, there's a lot of people watching these movies that have never seen Star Trek before. Like, yeah. This is a lot of people's introduction to Star Trek. Yeah. So I can, I can see that, okay, yeah, like, the casual viewer would just see these, like, outer space zombies and just be like, okay, yeah, of course, this yeah, is, like, the outer approach. space zombies. Yeah, this is, of course, this is the appropriate response, but, like, we've had, we had, like, I Borg. Right. Uh, between, like, between, um... Um, uh, Picard's assimilation and and this film, mm-hmm. and where it was like a discussion of like you know the, the like the Borgs, um, you know they they're allowed to live. I mean, it was it was like measure of a man, but for yeah. Borg, mm-hmm. yeah, or, or do- doctor, doctor, but for Borg, yeah, yeah, and like and we could see like Picard is far more nuanced yeah. than than as he's depicted in this film, where he's and and also. Like he would want to also like, yeah, like approach this with as little casualties as he, uh, and and loss of life as possible. So you, there should have been a scene where he is like in the conference room with Worf and the others on the like, who didn't go down to the planet and mm-hmm. just like being like, what are our options? And like just really talking through like what they can do before, just like 
forming like this <laughs> before going all Rambo on them instead. Oh, no, he went straight Rambo mode. In yeah, like you, you guys, like you would think, like, okay, well, can we like contain them to a certain area? Instead, they take a very offensive approach where they decide to go at the heart of it. And you th- like, you know, Picard probably would have explored options like, well, can we block them in and then release something in there to possibly render them unconscious? Or do something like that. Is there? I don't know about the unconscious thing because I mean, like you know, you basically have to destroy their organic components. Yeah. Or or open a hatch and suck them out into space. But they can breathe in space. Yeah, but they'd still be out of the ship. Perhaps. Yeah, but still, like, <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm spitballing here. I'm spitballing. Uh, fair, fair, fair. But like, just like any any other option besides just like lock and load and like just fucking get 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 overtaken by these like uh, by the Borg. Indeed. And it is interesting because they have Jonathan Frakes uh, to prepare for this film. He watched all the Aliens movies. Oh. Because because there are, during these scenes, there's a lot of Aliens uh, uh, references and, yeah. like, and like and, uh, yeah. tropes, like, being pulled underneath the door. and Oh, yeah, and lots of, like, uh, there's a lot of, like, steam in this film. And, yeah. like, there's never steam in, the, in no. like, Star Trek. It's weird. <laughs> uh, so, down on Earth... Um, Commander Riker walks into a makeshift bar where loud music is playing and Counselor Troy is sitting alone at the bar. He, uh, he stops the music and uh, someone throws a bottle at him. <laughs> uh, Counselor introduces Riker to none other than Zephram Cochran, who is already very fucking intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, explaining that the scientist doesn't believe their cover story and that in her professional opinion as ship's counselor... She thinks Cochran is nuts, mm-hmm. uh, he, but he's just uh, like a chronic alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. uh, Riker is amused by Troy's drunken behavior and tells her that she's drunk. And she's like, I'm not drunk, but then uh, admits that it took uh, three shots of tequila to yeah. get, uh, get Zephyrin Cochran to admit to what he is, to who he is. Uh, he then says, this is the good stuff and brings out some scotch and takes a shot. Um, with Troy, and then uh, and then he says, "I guess that wasn't the good stuff." And yeah, because they're just like the like gasping for air after yes. they take it. Yeah, and I like I actually love how he took a shot here because uh, like he takes the shot and he's not able to finish all of it, like, mm-hmm. making it look like it is bad booze that it's hard to take all down. Like, yeah, actually, great great sense of realism. Yeah, because I'm sure it's like they have some like shitty like uh, uh, distilling process that's. Yeah. Not exactly that that great. Probably just put together by because it is because like what where they are living does look like a uh, shanty town made out of like mm-hmm. out of spare um, aluminum and stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah, it's all like everything's shabs. open air basically. Yeah, it, it's super funny that yeah because they live mm-hmm. basically in a giant flea market together. <laughs> yeah, but Zephyr Cochran has somehow put together the first ship capable of. Uh, light speed <laughs> yeah so i mean oh, they do there oh. is some comments you know by cch pounder and stuff how it took her like four months to uh mm-hmm. to uh scrounge up enough titanium just for the ch- right. cockpit and stuff right, so right. you can there is a little bit of struggling on that part and, there, and it was a um a uh um repurposed uh nuclear missile but oh yeah and there was that part when um uh they initially like go to the uh to the the vessel mm-hmm. to uh to cochran's ship and uh, that one of the really good Picard moments where he is like uh, 
overcome with uh, emotion. Oh yeah, at yeah. having to, at being being, being presence being presence because he's just like, ah, oh, I used to see this about a hundred times in the Smithsonian, mm-hmm. but I was never allowed to touch it. Yeah, and and Data's like, sir, is does tactile? Uh, <laughs> Like, I've watched all the Phoenix porn series. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so hot. And he does like have like this moment of like of like almost like religious awe mm-hmm. being uh, being able to finally touch it and be that close to it. Touch and, that, it. and that was and that was a really good moment. Yeah, that yeah, that's really like mm-hmm. that where there should have been very true to him. Very true to him. And yeah, there should have been more of that and not when because like now like we now where we are now and he's, so, he's just like he's just like on, ready to fuck people honestly up. you know what would have been the most true to Picard Picard mm. like uh, the series like season one and two is literally Jean-Luc Picard is going around to museums that's, that's, that's yeah that. yeah exactly a, a different museum every episode and he just you just get to watch him walking through and go oh yeah mm. Wow. Oh, I that, know. That's why I like, would have liked it if the Picard series was just him going on archaeology trips. Yeah, straight up. Like, that would have been cool. Or even if he, like, took the directorship of the undersea thing, like he was talking mm. about. Uh, oh, yeah. In the, the episode, mm-hmm. like, right after with, Best with of his, Both with Worlds. His brother, with his brother, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be fucking, like, Picard exploring the sea? Yeah. That would be cool as fuck. Yeah. Like, and, and basically, it, Picard being uh, uh, James Cameron. Mm-hmm. What's not fucking cool about that? <laughs> Everything is cool about that. Yeah, we, everything. People like Sequest. Why not? We can have like another. Uh, we can have another uh, um, outer like a uh, future show with a with a talking dolphin and a guy under the sea. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, but yeah, I would have. Yeah, I would have liked. Yeah, like uh, him going on archaeology trips and. Mm-hmm. Just like just having fun in his old age, because that's what he should be doing. Yeah, like and not fucking. like yeah, not fucking and going on these like psycho adventures where he's still just like killing people. But yeah, this but yeah this but I mean it's a continuation of of a uh, movie Picard. That's like um that's Rambo. Yeah, so. but ra- uh, sensitive Rambo. Sensitive Rambo. Yeah, sensitive, compassionate, conservative. <laughs> yes. So. um Meanwhile, two teams march through the Enterprise E, one led by Worf and the other by Picard and Data. Um, rounding a corner on deck 16, the crew find that the usually pristine and immaculate bulkheads of the Federation uh, starship have been replaced by the grotesque and mechanical equipment of a Borg vessel, mm-hmm. with exposed wires and like big old black cases and stuff. It is my aesthetic entirely. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It, is some, it is some very. And I, you actually like it totally makes sense that um uh like Jonathan Frakes watched all of the alien films in preparation for this cuz there's some a lot of like very HR Geiger type stuff there is there. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like they they definitely take the Borg to a different much more stylized level in this movie than mm-hmm. they ever have been before and they yeah. definitely remained that way for like the majority of like uh, the Voyager after that. Yeah, because like they used a lot of the costumes uh, from this and Voyager, and that makes sense. Well, I mean, they had the Borg Queen in Voyager, whereas it yeah. wasn't in any series before mm-hmm. that, so that does make a lot of sense. And uh, they were saying like, um, I guess like the cast and crew were saying that this is how they wanted the Borg to always look. Hmm, that but, makes sense. Yeah. But due to financial limitations, they and had to just, use like fucking tubing and shit. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, okay, well, let's uh, just put a bunch of white paint on this guy, yeah, and yeah. just like put a bunch of like crappy p- tubes on but him. Honestly, even the early Borg still look pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, for for what they are, yeah, you can tell that it's just a bunch of like fucking, you know, wiring tubing and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But it's still pretty cool for what yeah. it is. 
Yeah, I mean, given given like you know the limitations of a TV series. And, yeah, 100%. and uh, yeah, but yeah, they really went all out with the makeup and and also you you also you notice like a variation in the species that are um um uh assimilated mm-hmm. and this like typically in like the series you they would all just look like humans. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing is yeah there are slight variations in this, but not like as varied as they had in like. Prodigy, mm-hmm. like that's one thing oh, I loved yeah, yeah. about Prodigy is they had like way they had that shark. Thing. Yeah, shark. Yeah, yeah. That was f- Sharkborg. Fucking rock, dude. I love Sharkborg. Mm-hmm. I want Sharkborg back. Yeah, you see like uh, Cardassians, Bullions, and Klingon. I, I noticed. I don't remember a Bullion. Yeah, there's but, there's a Bullion. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, okay. yeah. Which typically they always just look human, but yeah, they were yeah. able to like. Yeah, and it would make sense that they would take like especially Klingons, like mm-hmm. especially for like you know. Yeah, they're just like going all out at yeah, warriors and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, in response to seeing uh, all of the Borg equipment on the ship, uh, Data says, uh, I believe this is the feeling of anxiety. <laughs> and uh, Picard is like, you better uh, turn off your emotion chip, Data. And so he uh, cranks his neck and goes, done. <laughs> and uh, Picard is like, sometimes I envy you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pr- a pretty fun moment between them. I like that a lot. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be if if, if uh, Data is just like looming over you and like, time to turn my emotion chip off. And this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like oh god safety protocols eliminated eliminated um, so some Borg approach uh, the crew but Picard has everybody lower their weapons saying they won't attack until the Borg consider them a threat which I never understand yeah and, then, and so this is where I wrote so the Borg have no ability to suss out a situation hmm, is that a gun yeah, it's, yeah like, it's like oh these people are on what we think is our ship with weapons and they're not borg but you know what we've got a job to do we've got to go and like uh, twist some philip head screws over yeah. here for a while that's what i understand it's like okay so like when do they decide to assimilate people in because they were on like an assimilation like and also i mean so when did they decide to assimilate people what are all of the different Borg's functions? Because we see there's like, I think three or four different separate Borg that have different, like unique arm attachments. I do like the guy with the little hand. Yeah, but like- <laughs> Like he has a little tiny hand on the end of this. But the thing is thing. like, none of them actually do anything different from the others. And we actually never see the Borg really working. No. I, I mean, mean- Like very rarely do we see them maybe doing like some little welding or something or like screwing some screws in or something. But like- more than anything, I wonder what the Borg are actually good for as individual units because mm-hmm. we see that a Borg cube is actually self-repairing. Yes. Right? And so they're not doing engineering or repair because the cube does that itself. Mm-hmm. And so why are they out of the hive mind? Why are they out of regeneration walking around the ship? What the fuck good are they doing? Yeah. I mean, are they patrolling the ship? Because if they're patrolling the ship, they're doing a very bad job. Yeah, because I know. You just walked past a group of threats. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what? what? Oh, okay. Maybe they're just holding a box of chocolates. Maybe that's what that thing in their arms are. Like, okay, well, not, better not attack them. Yeah. <laughs> it just, like, doesn't make any sense. Like, No. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's just like a story thing. But, yeah, if... Like, yeah, a person who's not familiar with the Borg would just be like, okay, so why aren't they attacking? Yeah. And, and also, why, yeah, and isn't there, don't they have, isn't like one of their protocols right now to take the ship? So you think they would want to assimilate as many people as possible? And I feel like there's almost a better way to make the Borg. Like, yes. So, so the, the thing, 
The thing that makes the Borg really not work is the fact that they assimilate and take everything from all other beings, yet they feel like, you know, for lack of a better word, like the humanity and like what makes, you know, beings beings. Like Mm -hmm. actual, I mean, almost like sentience. I feel like the Borg almost aren't sentient because they are Mm -hmm. a hive mind, right? And they don't have individual concepts of individuality and so they aren't really a sentient being i mean they are as a collective but they aren't as individuals i guess Mm -hmm. and so i don't know i I feel like there's just like a lot of everything missing from the borg and like they have you don't really get to see them actually use like their combined intelligence at all and so i guess um more than anything like we just really need a borg origin story in some way Mm -hmm. and it needs to be explained that it's like it's, you know, like an evil computer. Yeah. That type of thing. Cause that's the only way it makes sense. Cause if the Borg are actually like a, a, an organic being that like evolved this way, I yeah. Also the Borg don't like fuck. They have babies, but they don't fuck. I'm, I'm very confused about all that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're kind of <laughs> like, just make the babies just like, yeah. And like, just like take, take the sperm and egg and combine it in the computer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or at the same time, like they could just like print out babies. They could have like a, mm-hmm. a fucking, um, you know, like a transport buffer type thing. Yeah, it's at, that, like, at that point, like if they're able to create themselves from why, from 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 the beginning, from why the do they start, need to assimilate it? Yeah, what's the purpose of assimilate? Unless, well, besides 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 physical the, superiority. Yeah, besides uh, absorbing their t- uh, other beings, um, technology and stuff. Because mm-hmm. then at a certain point, then why would they even like bother with certain species? Like, why even bother with the Federation at a certain point if they have all absorbed their technology? Very good question. It's like it's okay. Well, we got what we need from them. Why even bother? Yeah, it really, it really doesn't make any sense. They're like, oh, let's take uh, Picard. He's got old balls. <laughs> I don't think we have anyone with old ba- Oh, wait, Jerry over in B11 has old balls. Oh, he's got older we balls. Don't, we, don't, we don't need Picard. <laughs> Sorry, Locutus. Yeah, and also since he was already plugged in, like they already got what they need from him, like all of his distinctiveness. like All of his old balls. All of his old balls. Yeah. <laughs> They already have the old ball smell. They don't need Picard anymore. <laughs> that would have been a good way to make an, a clone Picard because they would have had his DNA. They could have made. They could have cloned a Lacutus instead of. That would have been. That would have honestly fucked. That yeah. would have been a cool movie. Yeah, and just like him fighting like, the evil like, Borg version of himself. Yeah, straight up created. like yeah, like Picard versus Picard. Basically, like just run back best of both worlds, but Picard is in fucking Riker's situation. Yeah. Like, I'd be fine with that. Or if the Borg fucking assimilated Riker mm. would be sick as fuck too. They would just be super horny. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, they'd all just be like the Borg queen. Yeah. And then like they would, all the Borg ships would just be dick shaped and then just <laughs> go up to the Gir- Girardi Borg and yeah. then just start fucking their ship. It's like, uh, Oh, he's uh, entering the subwarp conduit. Oh, now he's exiting. Oh, he's entering it. Oh, he's exiting again. Oh, he's entering. Oh, he's. Uh, what? What's the ship doing? It seems to be powering up. Oh, it's discharging something. Wow, what is going on? Um, so at first ignoring the Starfleet officer's arrival, the Borg suddenly spring into action as Picard and Data attempt to gain entry to main engineering. A battle ensues, but the Borg quickly adapt to the phaser fire, and Picard calls for the crew to retreat. The captain tells the Enterprise crew to regroup on deck 15 and warns his officers not to let the Borg touch them. Just like uh, 
Just like Catholics. Mm-hmm. Yep. Too late, however, for Data, as he's already been touched by a Catholic, uh, <laughs> uh, who is captured by the Borg and taken into their hive. Mm-hmm. How did the Borg capture Data? They're organic. He's he's a he's a fucking robot man who could beat the shit out of them and break them in half with his hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there is a moment where, like, in something where, like, Data rips an arm off a Borg or something. I feel like. Yeah, and yeah, he was kicking their ass before he got sucked under the door. He was just like he was going all out on them. Yeah, right. And then they're like, winks. <laughs> yeah, they just trip him and drag him underneath the door, and, and he's, he's like, gone. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> So, rushing to a Jeffrey's tube, third time we there see Jeffrey's tube. Um, uh, Picard sees a crewman begging for help as Borg <laughs> technology starts to take over his body. Uh, believing he is saving him from a worse fate, Picard shoots him fucking dead before escaping into a hatch. Which Picard would have never done. <laughs> yeah, this is the part of the movie where I'm like, oh no. This is like, and it's so weird to me because you literally have two people who collectively wrote dozens of episodes of TNG mm-hmm. who very much know exactly who this character is, yes. how he operates, and how he acts. And they're like, what if we have him murder someone in cold blood? <laughs> like, yes. What? What? Yeah, Picard, first and foremost, like, you would describe him as a diplomat, like, a a, a per- person who is, like, very culturally sensitive. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he has, like, an endless, en- uh, endless curiosity for, for, to, for ever gaining knowledge, and he's very respectful to other cultures. Mm-hmm. He is, he's, he's, unfortunately, he's, he is a very bad lay. He's a very bad lay. Unfortunately. But, like, you know, I wish Picard could lay dick, but he is like, he's honestly, I think, probably the worst captain in the sack, which sucks. I know. Right? But that's the thing. That's because he's, he's he, why, cause, like, while other people were having sex, he was studying the blade. And that blade is called knowledge. <laughs> and so he was. Listen, so, have you ever had a mat left in your pussy? <laughs> So he's really good and all that other stuff, but yeah, like what he is not is like you know quick to anger. Uh-huh. He's not like he's he, he he's not like someone who would casually end a life. Never. Never, never, no, no. He like he would take like two weeks of like declaration, and he'd have to like write out a novel explaining <laughs> why something should die in order for him to shoot it. Yeah, he would have a lot of time spent looking out the uh out the window uh, oh, of, yeah. of, of the of, observation deck. Uh, and, yeah, and being just like just, just like, like in looking self- looking <laughs> down at his shoes and back up the window and sighing and shaking yeah. his head. Yeah, he would spend a lot of time in self contemplation and just mm-hmm. like and just like just you know torturing himself mentally oh, yeah. for having done oh, for he, having committed a crime. He would ask Guinan a million vague questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 to see him just just really just like gunning for uh just like just like shooting him shoot oh, and also he's, he's just like oh too late for you bang bang yeah <laughs> and like he's double, not he, got a double tap like, just okay. make sure like it, it would make sense if his life was in danger and that no. person was fully Borg, and then like he had to do it out of out of for his own safety, but to like execute someone mm-hmm. who was who still had all their faculties, like like he 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 feels responsible for his for his crewmen. Yes, like he like he would not do something so callous. 
but it's but action Picard, action Picard, action Picard, baby. But you know, but that's the thing. Like, who would do something like this? Like, if it meant to, like, you know, to uh, stab the stab the Borg from hell, you know, it'd be fucking Ahab. It just like you know, he's, he's being like really just Captain Ahab right here, and mm-hmm. you know, and Ahab will do whatever it takes, you know, sacrifice whoever he needs to get that white whale. And Indeed. And, that, and so it's an interesting. It's an interesting character that they built here, but it's like not consistent. Like no. Picard has never been an Ahab in the series. No. And like he at the very end of TNG, it was like showing like, hey, this is where he chills out and really starts to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like the next movie, it's like, by the way, no longer chill, hates his life. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, wait, this is literally like eight months later? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, what what happened to the end of the series? I don't get it. Yeah, and and really, like, it showed his experience being assimilated. Like, it was something that he dealt with. You know, he took some time off. Yeah. and but like, you know, he, he literally dealt with, and they have an episode about him getting over it. So this, in a way, to me, is like, it's retreading the same ground that, like, um, you know, like, uh, uh, Picard Season 2 retread all over Inner Light, mm-hmm. as well as... You know, uh, generations retread all over inner light. It's mm-hmm. like you know, Simpsons already did it, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, why? Why would you need to rehash something that has already been done to its full extent? Yeah, and and also it was also in like the first episode of DS Nine when him and Cisco have that chat. You know, True. he is haunted by his experience as the Borg, mm-hmm. and because you know, once he finds out, like you know, um, he that killed, he killed Jennifer, that yeah. he killed Jennifer. Like, yeah. you know, he suddenly becomes very withdrawn and right, sad. Right. So he's still, he, he still carries the weight of what he did as the Borg, but Absolutely. it's something that he's like, but he spent his life trying to like undo on it, but it, he wouldn't do it by like deciding to go all Rambo on, on the fucking Borg. It's not, not, that's not his way. No, but in, in this movie specifically it is. And it's, it's a weird tone. That, that's the thing about all of the Star Trek movies. I feel not all of them, but most of them have a giant tonal shift in the character of the captain specifically. Yes. Like TOS Kirk is a fair and balanced and good captain. Mm-hmm. He is not fair nor balanced nor good. No. In basically any of the TOS films <laughs> no. except for number four. Yeah. Which like is He's just a cranky old man, like like that's bitter about aging. Yeah, about aging, and then like five and six, he gets especially bad. In five, mm-hmm. he just refuses to go to therapy. Yeah. And in six, he has to pay for refusing to go to therapy <laughs> because like, you know, him being a fucking virulent racist against Klingons mm-hmm. ends up, you know, implicating him in crimes. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> What? <laughs> that, that's almost good that they didn't have a DS9 movie now that we're thinking about it. No. Because who knows what they would have done to Cisco. <laughs> that's the thing is they, they could have done cool things, but the thing is they couldn't really have done a movie after, you know, the end. The end yeah, they could, yeah, after the end, yeah. It doesn't really make sense unless they try to do, like, what they're doing now with, like, Cisco coming back as a god or whatever mm-hmm. in comic books, which is fine, but eh, do yeah. we need that? I don't think no. we need that. And Avery Brooks seems like he's done. What's oh, yeah, absolutely. Basically, like, everyone from DS9 seems to be, like, happy to go on panels and stuff, but yeah. it's, like, pretty much done. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Calmini, you know, has his own Oh, Calmini has a great career role. Yeah, he's yeah. got a great career, yeah. He, he just plays, like, Irish villains now, which <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> awesome. You know, he, he's, he's just Smiley in everything. Now. Yeah, so, we, like, hey, we need an Irish guy in this. Yeah, we uh. fucking love Smiley, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so uh, where are we here? Uh, inside the access tube, the Jeffrey's tube, if you will, uh, Lily, played by CCH Pounder, catches Picard by surprise, turning the captain's phaser on him and demanding to be returned home. Picard tells her that is not going to be easy at the moment, but Lily informs Picard that he had better make it easy or else she will fire the phaser mm-hmm. on him. Picard tells her to follow him and she warns the captain to go slow or else. Mm-hmm. And this this whole segment is an, a, a return, I think, to normal Picard. Little, because yeah. this is how he would de- that's this is how he would um um handle and uh handle a situation like well, this. Well like suddenly the roles are reversed and like mm-hmm. he goes from being the violent kind of uh unreasonable one, crawls in the Jeffrey's tube, suddenly there's someone who's far more violent and unreasonable mm-hmm. than him and also doesn't have the information that he does. He's like, Oh, okay, let's slow down now, which I'm like Dude, you just like killed a man who worked for you <laughs> because he might have been a lost cause. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they, only, yeah. Why, why, why are any, why are all of these people beyond the pale? Like, why, like, why can not, they not be saved in the yeah, same way he was? It, it's super strange too that he's like, uh, don't, don't fire on the Borg. They won't do anything to us until they see us as a threat. And then one of his crewmen is being assimilated, and he's like, "Oh, I better, <laughs> yeah. I better kill him. <laughs> yeah. I better kill that guy because he might see me as a threat later. Who knows?" Uh, yeah, and, and even still, like, like we already he already established that like the Borg have a right to live, so it's just like, okay, well, he would still enjoy a, f- a form of life. He would still continue going on, and just like the the nature of his existence has changed. Indeed. So now uh, Data wakes in the engineering, now basically like the core of a Borg vessel, uh, restrained to a Borg operating table and surrounded by Borg drones. Uh, he assures them that they cannot gain uh, the Enterprise access code stored in his neural net, speaking directly to the disembodied voice of the Borg. Uh, the Borg tell Data that breaking the code is only a matter of finding the android's weakness. What do you think uh, Data's weakness is? That weird switch on his back. Interesting. I think it's lowly hentai. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm very unhappy. About it. I don't want that to be no, no. Data's thing. I, I prefer he not. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are, you know? It's... it's I, I think he's like... I think he, like, uses his art skills to be a deviant art furry. Oh, that makes it. Oh, yeah. He just draws like giant versions of Spot, like mm-hmm. voring him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell him he's a good cat. He's like, the goodest, biggest cat. This is Spot, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, Spot, am I your wife? <laughs> D- it's like, Data, you don't marry cats. Why not, Jordy? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't think you understand, Captain. The cat <laughs> married me. <laughs> I had no choice. That, that should have been an episode where they have to sit Data down and explain that well, it's not natural for him to be fucking a cat. <laughs> <laughs> measure of a cat. Measure of a cat. <laughs> but measure, my, of, measure of a meow. But this cat is sentient. What is it? What is? How is it different from a human woman? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not sentient data. I don't think you understand what sentience is. <laughs> have you seen the movie Earthlings? <laughs> I have. I have it on my personal pad. I will show it to you. 
So on the surface of Earth, Riker, Troy, and Jordy attempt to convince Zephram Cochran that the story about the Borg and their mission is true. Adjusting the scientist's telescope, LaForge gives Cochran a glimpse of the Enterprise-E orbiting high above Montana. The Enterprise offer, uh, sorry, the Enterprise officers urge Cochran to continue with his plans to launch the USS Phoenix, telling him of the utopian society that warp travel and first contact will bring to Earth. Um, so, interesting thoughts about utopia. Do you believe that Earth was ever a utopian society during, during this kind of thing? This, this whole, or, or do you believe that, that the Fe United Federation of Planets is a utopian society? I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think it's as far as we've gotten so far, you know. It's, it strives for utopia. For sure. Strives for utopia, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're much into, like, utopian socialism or read much into that. But mm. um, basically, a lot of uh, Marxists um, don't believe in utopian socialism because, mm -hmm. like, it's something that, that you, we should strive for, but mm -hmm. it's completely unattainable, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think the Federation is utopian at all. There's there's dystopian elements to the Federation. I mean, they're they're much better than what we have now. But yeah. like, to say that the Federation is not like a colonialist military force, I think is completely disingenuous. Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're a like uh, not not intentionally. Yeah, but definitely by practice, a hundred percent by practice. I think that I think they respect the sovereignty of places that say they don't want to join. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. <laughs> so on the same day that Cochrane makes the first warp flight, a survey ship from a neighboring alien race will be passing through Earth's solar system. Um. No oh, wait, did I? I didn't. Yeah, I did. So. Um, upon noticing that humans have discovered faster than light travel, they will decide that humanity is advanced enough to officially make first contact. These aliens? The Vulcans, obviously. Thus, even if Cochrane's test flight is simply delayed a few days, it will drastically alter history. If Cochrane hurries to make his warp flight as scheduled, the aliens will make contact, and humanity will put aside its differences and unite as never before, to rebuild from the World War and, within 50 years, build a utopia on Earth. Grudgingly, Zephram Cochran agrees. Yeah, this is kind of where the start of where I don't like how much information they're giving him. Yeah, because, it is a little much. Because, like, a lot, because telling him what's already going to happen could affect his decision-making going forward. Right. Like, he could, like, he could just be like, well, if it's going to happen regardless mm -hmm. now that this happened, but, and so he could do some other things differently that, that affect the outcome. Cause this is right. How, but I think that is actually an interesting, like crux of the story is because mm -hmm. Zephyr Cochran, like is doing this begrudgingly at best. Yeah. Like he doesn't want to be a hero. He doesn't want. And so like, it is affecting like his decision on it, I think, cause he mm -hmm. doesn't want this for himself. He doesn't yeah. want to be like the savior of, humanity. but he, but he, but he clearly became that person after mm -hmm. this experience. Right. But like, um, which actually there is a great line that actually kind of ties that up super well from Riker right mm -hmm. before they go on the first flight mm -hmm. that, uh, we will touch on. But like, uh, I do also, I do like how I do like this, this idea like, you know, like, um, they, how they've mythalized, mm -hmm. um, 
Zephram Cochran and how like the reality and that's you know that's a lot what we do with like our all of our historical figures is like we have this like disnification of oh yeah of like of our of uh you know the founding fathers and it, it, and, it like, blows me away like how people can just agree on on certain like quote-unquote fundamental truths like oh well i mean thomas jefferson was bad because you know he had like uh, a child with his slave out of wedlock or mm-hmm. whatever but george washington isn't yeah i'm like wait George Washington had a bunch of slaves. What are you talking yeah, about? And he the, wasn't an abolitionist. And the whole and all you know the the cherry tree stuff. And yeah, and and like the fact of the matter that there were like you know a dozen abolitionists who mm-hmm. signed the uh, the Declaration of Independence, but we never talk about the fact that there were people around that time, like wealthy people, who were abolitionists. Mm-hmm. And so, like it was, there was a strong moral argument at that time for hey, maybe slavery is wrong, but Washington was just like. No, I need a I need a plantation. I need slaves. Yeah, and he just decided that, and we just decide he's still a good man despite that. Yeah, because of like because the myth, myth the myth out the myth is outweighs like the truth and yeah, hundred percent. And and people like yeah make excuses for oh well it was uh, it was acceptable at that time. Yeah, it was acceptable by bad people. And yeah, maybe bad people were the majority of people at that time. But yeah. fucking like there were abolitionists back then. Yeah, you know like you can't make the argument that people didn't think that slavery was bad, that there wasn't some subset of people who were like, yeah, that's, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, But that's also why, like I under, I fully understand why Zephram Cochran reacts the way he does mm -hmm. because he's being told like this complete bullshit version, version of himself. Right. And and he knows himself more than they do personally. And he knows like, you know, how, you know, he's like a flawed person, a human, just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and now he's expected to live up to this ideal that all these people have. And that's why I don't really agree with how much they divulge. Like mm-hmm. they could have like, they could have like, um, stressed the importance of the mission without like, you know, telling him like all of this, like insane myth shit, you know, about him that, that, Terrified. That absolutely terrifies him. Yeah, like I'd be terrified too if someone was like, "Oh, by the way, you get you get to save humanity." <laughs> yeah, I'd be like I get I get what? Yeah, I'm just a dude who likes to come. I don't yeah, <laughs> it's gonna make you second guess everything you do, and that that you need to like um, quickly like rad- radically change yourself in some way to mm-hmm. like to change. But like, but it would feel almost like disingenuous, like about like, but what about the forces that make you change? Like to 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 make to to uh, meet the expectations these people have, these people who are like at this point like two hundred, three hundred years away from <laughs> from you, and like mm-hmm. and so like it's like you know like a, a massive game of telephone. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is terrifying. That would be awful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if, if, especially if someone's like, uh, yeah, in the future, I go to Britain Ryan Straw High School. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, there's a marble statue, statue 20 feet high of yeah, you right there. I'd be like, what the fuck did I do wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what, what the if, fuck? You, if you look at like the people like high schools are named after now, like all of them were like fucking slaveholders and shit. Like yeah. That. Like if you, <laughs> you might get lucky and get like a, a Martin Luther King Jr. High School that will inevitably be completely underfunded. Yeah. But like, so it's like, why, why? What? No, no. That so like, what war crime did I commit to get yeah. my name on a fucking high school? Like, 
Because in fucking, you know, in America at least, that's the only way you get your name out of high school is like mm-hmm. if you do a fucking war crime. That's or why fuck- there's an Elon Musk high school in Discovery. Oh, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> why like fucking the Dulles brothers have like a dozen high schools and an mm-hmm. airport named after them. Yeah. And like fucking I'm sure Henry Kissinger's got some fucking high schools and colleges mm-hmm. and shit named after him. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't fucking know. So... Uh, Meanwhile, uh, up on the Enterprise, the fight is not going in the crew's favor. The Borg continue their relentless assimilation of the ship and its crew, taking control of more than half of the entire ship. In command of the bridge, Worf is informed by uh, Chief of Security Daniels that the Borg have halted their approach after seizing control of Deck 11, which contains stellar cartography, deflector control, and most importantly, hydroponics. Mm. The Borg got the weed, everybody. Oh, shit. Yeah, fucking Worf is like, they got my stash. <laughs> they got my stash! And he fucking pulls out his matleth, and he's like, time to trim those Borg. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> um, but they're really going for deflector control. Uh, none mm-hmm. of which are vital to Enterprise systems. Worf is mystified as the Borg would have ceased their attack uh, there if they had gained tactical advantage in any way. Meanwhile, still crawling through the bowels of the ship, crawling through my ship, (laughs) uh, Picard leads Lily, played by CCH Pounder, to a porthole looking out over Earth. Shocked to find herself in space, Lily surrenders her phaser and begins to trust Captain Picard finally. Yeah, Yeah, he de-escalates the situation by, with, by, with, like, with being, by being understanding, Mm -hmm. patient, and just like, and just like, you know, and Le- yeah, and, sh- and yeah, showing by observation, leading by example. Yep. And that, which is the Picard that we all know mm-hmm. and that would have, that in love. And yeah, and he, <laughs> I do like, yeah, he, she hands it over and he's like, you had it on maximum power. That would have vaporized me. Mm-hmm. And, and still, and he's not like fucking freaked out or anything. He's just like calmly puts it away and he's just mm-hmm. like, you know, like, and you know, because he's, He's an understanding dude. He is. He's a good leader. He, yeah, he oh, knows. Yeah. He knows how she must be feeling because she's from the 21st century, and this is all fucking freaky. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So down in engineering, uh, Data continues his conversation with the Borg Queen, uh, who's talking to him, and finally reveals herself mm. as a head and upper torso descending into a robotic body. Hell's yeah! And she is fucking. Hot, like way too fucking hot, <laughs> like uncomfortably hot for a slimy ass Borg queen. Yeah, like uh, what what function does her being this hot serve? Tell me. Yeah, why why does the Borg figurehead, who basically never sees anybody else but the Borg, why does she need to be fucking banging? Yeah, I mean she does. Why does she need a tight little ass <laughs> and a fucking gorilla grip pussy? You know, it's interesting because, yeah, like, obviously, like, the the Borg have their own beauty standards and ideals. Mm-hmm. And by judging by the other Borg, like, it should just be, like, a clunky Frankenstein with a giant <laughs> robot arm, mm-hmm. not, like, not like a, uh, a slimy babe in a cat suit. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, they were like, uh, yeah, uh, so this Borg is just going to be a yoga twink, I yeah, guess. All right, so, sure. Yeah, well, why, why not? not? It's, it's cool. 
But uh, yeah, she's uncomfortably hot. But she's like wet. She's like super sticky and wet and like dripping. Yeah. Which is like, what function does that serve? And her eyes are really weird, which is apparently is like hot. Um, those contacts were so uncomfortable. She can only wear them four minutes at a time. Interesting. <laughs> because like, I guess they were really weird and clunky because uh-huh. like they made her eyes look very bizarre. Yeah. Really cool though. Yeah. They're really cool. Yeah. But yeah, but I guess like uh, for Alice Krieg, the Borg Queen, like she's like they hurt her <laughs> really bad. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, because she she's she's real pretty and a good actress. Yeah, we like Alice Krieg, and she's in the OA. If you haven't checked that out, I have not. Yeah. Oh, the other ass. The other ass. I've checked out all of the ass. So <laughs> oh, yeah, we're out. talking about the the oh, the other ass, the front butt. The front, the front butt. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I call the pussy at this point. I'm like, oh, yeah. hey, girl. Let me see that front butt. Well, we only to fuck your butt or your front butt. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you'd be pooping out that front butt? Oh, you'd be pooping all that pee out the front butt. That's crazy. That's crazy, girl. You'd be pooping all your pee out that front butt. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Just, that front butt be squirting. Damn. All right. Uh, you know, I think that is going to be our intermission. All right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to that. Uh, come back tomorrow, or if you're on our Patreon, come back right now, and we'll have the conclusion of this, and then a big uh, subspace transmissions mm-hmm. about uh, all of the production stuff after that. Woohoo! Uh, thanks for coming with us. All so, right. uh, with that, Captain's Log, supplemental. Well, that's all, folks. Time for us to warp away. Be well. Travel safe. And uh I don't remember the fucking script. I don't have you remember. <laughs> and uh yeah, well, thanks for checking with the soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang dong and shocker. Soy 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 soy